0: Welcome back to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast. I'm Dr. Michaela Benson, a reader in sociology at Goldsmiths University of London and the research lead for a UK and a changing Europe funded project that's all about what Brexit means for British citizens living in the EU 27. Today's episode is from Berlin. I'm here at the Santa Mark Block with Christy Kultz, a colleague who works at the Technical University of Berlin, and Christine Barwick, who you'll have heard from before, who works at the Santa Mark Block, which is at Humboldt University. And both Christy and Christine are interested in the case of British citizens who live in Berlin in a time of Brexit. And you'll remember that I spoke with Christine couple of months ago um, on the podcast and we talked about the work that she had been doing and particularly questions around belonging and space in Berlin and how that related to the case of British citizens who live in, in Berlin. But you won't have heard from Christy yet. So Christy, do you want to just tell us a little bit about the project that you've just started? Okay. Well, the project looks at British migrants' living in Berlin and how
1: they use the space of the city and how they shape it and it shapes them, as well as some of the historical trajectory of British being in Berlin and it not being a new development, particularly, although there are a lot more migrants here now from Britain, and um, the role of history and emotion and as they live in this unstable time of new bordering practices.
0: I think that's a really good introduction to um, what I think is going to be a really, really interesting project. I think one of your concerns is to do with thinking about Berlin as a city which had a wall and bordering. Yes, it's not unfamiliar to this concept of division and bordering. And I think that's a kind of thinking about those longer histories within Europe and within the places that we work are quite important. But I also think the thing that draws the three of us together and is the topic of the event that we're attending this afternoon, the event that you've organized this afternoon, is again um, a thing that I keep coming back to, which is who are the British who live in other European countries. And how might the research that we've been doing counteract some of that tendency to produce really reductive and homogenized understandings of who they are? Christine, did you have some reflections on on who the British in Berlin actually are?
2: Yes. um, So just to recap, we did a study with some students from Humboldt University about British citizens in Berlin, their motives of migration, why did they come to Berlin? Um, How do they use the city? Um, What does Berlin mean to them? And of course, what are the effects of Brexit on their future mobility plans? What we saw from the sample, we had a very diverse sample, including, of course, people that only came two to five years ago, who are rather young people, um, mostly without kids, and who are really drawn to Berlin by its creative vibe. So, Berlin is not necessarily yet a global city, but it certainly has this vibe of the creative class. And there was often this feeling that, yeah, you have to come to Berlin, experience Berlin, try to make it here. So, we certainly had this group in the sample, but um, the sample was much more diverse. And we also had many people who came to Berlin. 15, 20 years ago, and actually with similar reasons, not necessarily to be active in the creative sector, but still because Berlin already had this this feeling of liberty somehow. So they also came often without a job. They wanted to work as English teachers, for example, and then their trajectories developed. They often met a partner in Berlin. They started a family So what was initially thought to be just a period of one or two years in Berlin became really, yeah, they have their life in Berlin now. It's
0: really interesting because everywhere that I go recently to talk about British citizens living abroad people are like oh well you know and we know somebody who's just decided to go and do research in Berlin with British people who live in Berlin it it really is it's it's kind of it's one of the it's, it's a really it's clear that the imagining of Berlin as this place for young creatives has really taken hold and I know that looking at the British newspapers over the last few years they've really built up this particular narrative. And in some ways, I wonder if it's kind of the new stereotype of the British abroad, perhaps one that I haven't paid as much attention to as I should do. And I remember I was on, um, there's a podcast called Romaniacs, which as the title uh, indicates, is about Brexit and um, kind of it's been organised by people who are Remainers, kind of journalists who are, are Remainers. And they invited me on to talk. And they said to me, you know, well, when they basically said all of the British people we know who live abroad live in Berlin. And so that was their imagining of who the British were who were abroad, which was really <laughs> at odds with, with all of the stereotypes that I faced for the last nearly 20 years that doing this research with British people who live abroad, which tend to position them as kind of old, uh, retired, living in these in, in these types of places. And I wonder somehow the extent to which... This stereotype, what what, what does that stereotype of British people living in Berlin do? Because we know that the stereotype of elderly British people living abroad does quite a lot of damage to the British population who live abroad because it just assumes that there are particular issues that are of relevance to them, but also because it frames migration in a particular way. It says, you know, these people... They go to these places. They don't integrate. They don't do these things, which I think is more telling of a narrative around migration than something else. So I just, I'm just curious as to what you think that understanding of British people in Berlin might be doing. I don't know if this is answering your question per se, but I am
1: quite keen in the project to try to look more broadly at perhaps this, light, like you're saying, all these people going, like we know everyone we know is in Berlin, and how how England what this says about the state of affairs in the UK and how people perhaps have been the middle classes being pushed out to other cities and berlin seeming like a viable option that has a higher living standard or used to have cheap rent this is quickly disappearing and how this sort of geopolitical um dynamic going on between these different european cities so
0: so talking about how um, transformations in the economy in the UK mm-hmm. are responsible for driving some of that migration. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely implicable to some migrants. Although there's a
1: lot of, like Christine was saying, um, older migrants who've been here for 20, 30 years.
2: And maybe if I can add from the, the other perspective, so... It's interesting to think about what or how British migrants are also regarded in the respective societies. I think what's still true, for example, that British tourists are thought to be or they don't have a good reputation, you know. And what was interesting to me talking to these younger people is because we talked about um, whether they go to any British places in Berlin, whether they had many British friends and they actually tried to distance themselves and really tried to integrate into the city of Berlin. And often they they found it hard to make local friends, but that's also a common story for uh, migrants who just moved to another place. But yeah, they were trying to really live in the city, to get to know the city and also to get to know locals.
1: I've been doing participant observation with um, like a social group for the last couple months, and this has a lot of older mem- British people, and as well as some younger ones who have specifically come to this space because it feels a little bit familiar, I like home. And there's a lot of Anglophones there. I don't know if it's necessarily, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's necessarily the British people in the group, but it's being able to speak english in this space once a week and and but then at the same time they're really most of them all speak fluent german as well so i don't know what's going on there if there's a little bit of comfort in that and then they go back to being part of society here as well they're integrated
0: I mean, I think it's an interesting question, because I think that so often in the discussions around migration, that sense of like hanging out with people like you, so whether it's because you speak the same language, or whether it's because you have some kind of other common interest that people might link to your nationality, gets presented as though it's either one or the other, that you can only be like fully integrated or that. And I think we do need to ask a question, which is why why would that be the case? So maybe with the starting point is different. Why can't you go and speak English with, with other people who speak English once a week, twice a week, and also probably be part of the German labour force, be maybe in relationships with German or other European nationals or, or anyone actually? I mean, what, what are the base assumptions that we might need to just kind of deconstruct a little bit to to try and make sense of that.
1: Yeah, it's not such a binary situation.
0: Exactly. And I think, I mean, it kind of goes back to the earlier point about the work of the stereotypes when you're looking at how British citizens who live abroad are constructed in the popular press. Um, Very often they're telling you things about assumptions about migrants generally which we know through, you know, endless research that's been done to counteract those, you know, that lives are a little bit more complicated than that. And we can feed those narratives too, which is which can be a problem. And I think I've been reflecting quite a lot on what earlier work with British citizens who lived abroad has done to that story. And I think because quite often that work was to do with... British citizens um, who were easily identifiable because they lived in communities of other people like them, that you do somehow get a little bit of a skewed narrative about British citizen life abroad. Whereas actually because of Brexit and what that has done to making visible British citizens to one another actually within Europe, we actually start to see this much more dispersed and diffuse British population, which actually had already been identified when we were looking at a different body of work on European integration, for example.
2: One little anecdote about the research I did on French citizens in London and British citizens in um, Paris, it was really, it was so easy to find French citizens in London because they were so organized in communities, even those younger French citizens who said, oh no, I don't want to have anything to do with those French citizens living in South Kensington, this very clear French community, they were still meeting um, with other French entrepreneurs, for example, to talk about their experiences. And in Paris, it was so much harder to find British citizens simply because they were not organized. I, just from personal
1: anecdote, I often find I'm talking, trying, attempting to speak German to people. And then I will find out they'll just suddenly lapse into going, yeah, what, what would you like? You know, like, oh, OK, you're from Croydon or you're from London. Or you're, yeah, so, but we're both for trying to participate in. The- so they're invisible yeah, suddenly yeah. they become apparent when they're like, this poor
0: new new arrival, I can't speak to Who hasn't properly. learned yet. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think it's all very well, you know, we sit here and I, I talk really frequently about the problems with the stereotypes and the fact that British citizens who live in the EU are diverse. What does this actually look like in Berlin? What do we actually know about British citizens who live in Berlin and who they are?
2: I will talk just about the results of our research, actually also some numbers. So what we know is in general for Germany that they are on average higher educated and they have a higher salary than the German average. So yeah, it's professionals, uh, people coming after uh, university. And again, from our sample, we know that they are very diverse regarding age and length of residence. In Berlin, they are also very diverse regarding um, their professional status. So again, they are mostly middle class. That is true. But um, we have people in the creative sector who have rather actually precarious working conditions because they are self-employed or they have short-term contracts. Then there are others who work at the university. Yeah, who are employed, but what we, at least in our sample, what we did not have, for example, were the typical intercompany transfers, which also has to do uh, um, with the city system in Germany. So Frankfurt is the banking sector, Hamburg, Munich are the media uh, cities, basically. And so there was no one in our sample that actually came already with a contract from some enterprise in the UK and who was just relocated. Also, lifestyle is different than people. Some people have children, others don't. I think that's all
1: the statistics that she's covered, but I was just thinking of some of the, the stereotypes we are talking about before of this sort of hipster that comes to Berlin and lives in... Uh, often Neukern or uh, Kreuzberg and I'm finding quite a lot of older people who live in places like Charlottenburg or the Neue West End or these spaces that are not on the kind of British media radar. It's like the cool, you know, they're, they're not um, presented really in Britain. I never before coming here had particularly heard of that you know, there's a British church, there's British schools on that side of the city. So there's a lot of old, like slightly older people with older children that I've seen living in that section of the.
0: That's city. really interesting, and I think that it kind of goes back to some of the things that we were talking about when when Christine and I spoke last time. And I think that the story of British migration to Berlin that's currently being. Circulated through the British press is one that it's tied up with gentrification. And I wonder where, because there's this preoccupation with cities and city transformation, urban transformation, actually, I I think it's kind of un, it's not possible to disentangle that presentation of British migration to Berlin at this point in time from gentrification. So I wonder whether, whether that's skewing the narrative in that respect whereas what you're saying if there's a church if there's schools what's the history of those things how 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 long have they been here a long time yeah the church since 1870 maybe and
1: it has some interesting historical records speaking about british people living in the far east side of the city bumps Sure, perhaps, and um, working in factories there in the 1800s and governesses living here, and um, horse trainers in parts of Berlin, so it's not a new
0: so there's um, an archive with the church
1: <laughs> yeah there is a, there is an archive they have of um, the kind of church history yeah
0: that's really interesting <laughs> <As> I, so, <laughs> suddenly I got very excited it, yeah. <laughs> it's been serving a British
2: population and other um, Anglophone.
1: Americans as well.
0: Yeah.
2: If I may add to the gentrification story, I think it is really important when thinking about the younger British migrants, and they are also very well aware of their role in the gentrification process, or they actually already feel so much part of places like Neukölln, Kreuzberg, that they also say gentrification is a problem and they don't like the changes that are going on. And sometimes they also try to distance themselves from the changes. For example, I remember just one respondent who said, yeah, I moved to Neukölln, but to this building that was not yet renovated and also my income is not very high, so I'm different from the other people here who are the gentrifiers, so it's an it's an important part of the story.
1: Also, just uh, I was curious to see, and I don't know yet because I haven't done this part of the work. But if British people are bringing their kind of practices in relation to home ownership with them, this is very important in England to own your own home. I mean, it has a kind of valorized status that it hasn't. This hasn't been the, the practice really in Berlin. And if they're coming here and in also. It must play into gentrification tension in in some way if they they are coming here and wanting to purchase a property or have the same, I mean, it's a different mentality towards property, I would say, you know, in some ways, culturally, there's something different there.
0: I mean, I think there's another thing, isn't there, when we look at the case of um, younger people moving to Berlin at this point in time or within the last five, six, seven years, which is to do with, as we said, the pressures related to trying to live and make a life for yourself in the creative industries in a country where home ownership is really high, uh, where rental rental costs are really, really high, where studio space is at a premium as well. And so I, I think it's a kind of, that's definitely been part of that story. But then I was wondering in respect to Brexit, Obviously, freedom of movement is a conditional right. And I don't know exactly what's happening in Germany in terms of what they're doing in respect to demonstrating lawful residence of British citizens, because I know in different countries that's been different. But I was wondering whether you'd picked up any concerns about what Brexit might mean for their futures, given that they tend to, from your description of those British citizens, those younger British citizens working in those kind of more precarious labor markets, are they concerned about
2: what Brexit might mean? Yeah, they were um, definitely concerned. And um, there is this, yeah, simply this period of uncertainty. They don't know what is going to happen and in a way they can be lucky to be in Berlin because in Germany it actually depends on the the Bundesland you live in and Berlin has been very proactive. So they have, uh, the Senate has opened a website for British citizens to register and um, they can then go to an interview and will likely get uh, permanent residence. But it's still unclear because it's also still unclear how Brexit will actually look like with deal, without deal. And so they simply do not know what their status will be and if they are allowed to stay. And in that sense, it's not only, let's say, the freedom of movement is for them not only a right, but it's also a kind of habitus. It shows who they are because their freedom of movement, and they actually, that they exercise it means they are European, they are curious to discover other cultures, um, other nations. And so it's more than just having to go back. It actually means, yeah, that they cannot express who they are, and they are concerned about that as well. I think those kind of symbolic meanings that are
0: attached to legal structures are really, really important at this point in time. And they really, we're starting to see them really starkly through this process in lots of ways. Christy, I know that you've only just started your work and you're doing this participant observation. The people in your group, are they talking about Brexit? Are they thinking about it? Is it something that's on their mind? Yeah, it's definitely on people's mind.
1: A lot of them are, it's, well... Like your recent paper, this is affecting people very differently depending on their kind of status in the country, how long they've been here. um, Have they registered properly? You're meant to, but I know lots of people that haven't, that don't register and then maybe now they're like, maybe I should register. And a lot of the people in the group that I've been going to are older and they've gotten um, dual citizenship because they've been here long enough to, and their German skills are good enough and they have the resources to do that. but. I imagine that there's a lot of people that's not a possibility for. Like
2: I, for example, couldn't go and
1: apply for a German passport right now. But that's available to people who've been here longer.
2: I also found that and I found it an interesting paradox. Maybe I've already talked about it in the last podcast. But so those people who have been here longer, like at least 15 years, so they were not allowed to vote in the Brexit referendum. And they and are furious not allowed to about vote about in, the,
0: in the general election yeah. next month either.
2: But at the same time, they are privileged because they for sure will get the German citizenship. And the others, the younger ones, or those who have been in Berlin more recently, they were allowed to vote, but they are now <laughs> basically disadvantaged because they don't have the right to get the German citizenship yet. So there's an interesting, you know, Some were privileged in the way they were allowed to vote. Others are now privileged because they get the German citizenship. It's an interesting uh, paradox.
1: And importantly, they get it while they can still keep their British citizenship, which will no longer be possible. So I could get my German citizenship if I stay here, but I will have to give up my... Yeah. passport
0: it's the curiosity of german dual nationality law which means that if you're an eu citizen you can apply for dual nationality but if you are not which british citizens won't be after brexit then mm-hmm. you can't
2: but with this also there you see how much information or misinformation is going around because as far as i know everyone who applies until the end of 2020 will be allowed anyways to keep the dual citizenship. But we also had people in our sample who did not know about this or who were simply not informed well enough. And that's not a criticism, but it just shows there are so many different informations floating around. And they were thinking, yeah, but should I get the German citizenship? I will have to give up my UK citizenship. That's also something they wouldn't want, but actually they wouldn't have to at this particular moment? It shows that they're starting to ask
0: questions about things that they'd never thought about before. And I think that's really interesting. And I I mean, the one I heard in the case of German nationality was people saying, well, what's the point? Because after Brexit, we'll no longer be EU citizens, so they'll be able to take it away again. Which is just like, well, I, I think that's unlikely. It would be strange to deprive people of well, I say that knowing that there are of course populations who have been deprived of citizenship rights, but talking about misinformation is a really important—it's yeah. a really important point because there has been so much misinformation circulating, and people don't know where to go to find the right information, and they haven't been helped by their own government. Actually, the British government—that's yeah. my, my my critique. Um, but I think that this is a really important point about how it's kind of. I suppose it's recalibrating privileges in particular ways and the privileges relating to being a citizen or not being a citizen. And it's repositioning people variously in consequence of that. And I think that's what the example that you just gave really uh, draws out, Christine. This, you know, Some people will become citizens and actually this will transform things on a legal basis for them in Germany. And some people will never have that opportunity. And then, of course, there'll be some people who, who for various reasons, won't be able to become citizens at this point in time for a variety of reasons. And this is going to result in a further stratification of, of those British citizens who live in Germany and mm-hmm. in other parts of Europe, of course. I wonder how, as well, how f- well thought out these plans
1: are, like, Maybe this sounds really cynical, but if Berlin is looking at who lives here, British migrants, it's in their interest in a way to retain skilled workers. And this re- registration process expediates that, whereas maybe other places, this...
0: But of course, it also, it also provides an opportunity for people to come into contact with the state in ways they might never have done before. Mm. And that doesn't always work. For some people.
1: It's not going to work for everyone.
0: (laughs) And I think that's certainly uh, what has come to light through doing the work in France, that actually the kind of rush to get in contact with the French state has had some quite detrimental impacts on some British people. It's a sorting process, whichever
1: way. Yeah,
0: Yeah. which goes to your points about bordering, of course. So, yeah. Well, thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast with me, Dr. Michaela Benson. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so by searching for Brexit Brits Abroad on iTunes and Libsyn. And to join in the conversation, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at BrexPatsEU and you can visit our Facebook page, Brexit Brits Abroad. To find out more about the project visit our brand new website. That's brexitbritsabroad.org. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode.